0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, I've called this uh, sermon a reminder of the gospel, a reminder of the gospel. Now, all of us need to be regularly reminded of the gospel, don't we? We know it in our heads, but we need to be reminded of it all the time that it would thrill us in our hearts. Uh, Over the summer, uh, we went to visit uh, our family living in uh, the USA. Uh, And we went to the East Coast, and I spent some time in Washington, D.C., and one of the highlights of us going there was that I was able to go into the Library of Congress. Uh, Some of you may have been there, some of you may have seen it, uh, but the Library of Congress has a wonderful, uh, very large and beautiful reading room. And when you go into this, uh, when you see this reading room, there's lots of alcoves, and in the alcoves there are spiral staircases, and all of these are full of amazing books. In fact, in the Library of Congress, on the whole of the campus, there is 500 miles of books. However, you can only see this reading room from a platform above through Perspex Glass, if you book a time slot on the internet. And so we booked our time slot and we went in and we saw this room. But when I was looking down on this room, I saw there that there were people in the reading room able to access the books and have these uh, lovely chairs and desks and they were studying in the reading room. And so I inquired, how can I have access to this reading room? And I was told, you have to become a reader of the Library of Congress. And so I asked, how do you become a reader of the Library of Congress? And all it was they had to do was fill in a form, have a picture taken and get a card, and then with this card, as long as I'm going there to read or study, and not to take pictures, if you do that you get literally picked up and taken out, I have access to this library and all of its resources any time that I like and so the next day after I had got my picture taken and I had my card I went back at a time of my choosing and I could go into those alcoves I could access any of those books I could speak to the librarian and find out anything I wanted about the library or about any book that I wanted to find I had access to all these amazing resources and this card uh, lasts me four Years and so, if I go back next year, which I'm not planning on, but if I did, I could go back. But imagine I go back to the library and I forget that I've got this card. I might leave it at home, or I might be foolish enough and think, "Well, they might not let me in again. I'll just, I'll just go online and try and book my slot and just, just have a look in." That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? I have access to all of these resources but I'm choosing to to leave my card at home or I forget that I have it. I don't lose the, the membership of the library, but neither am I partaking of the amazing benefits that that library offers me. And can't we do the same with the gospel? If we forget it or we don't think about it or we go after another gospel we're not able to partake of the amazing benefits and resources we have in Christ. We don't necessarily lose our membership of God's kingdom, but we don't partake of the benefits that God's kingdom brings. And so when we face anxiety, we don't draw on the peace that passes understanding. When we are suffering in pain, we have no hope to draw on. When we are in trouble we forget where to turn and we end up sinning and not repenting and life becomes miserable because we forget the gospel. And that, brothers and sisters, is the problem in the churches in Galatia. Paul is writing to these Christians because they need to be reminded of what it is they have in the gospel. Because false teachers have come into their churches and were spreading a different gospel, which just later on in chapter 1, Paul says is no gospel at all. They are, the, the false teachers have come in and they, they undermine Paul's authority... And they undermine Paul's gospel. And at the beginning of this letter, Paul deals with the key issue. He reminds them what the gospel is in these verses. And so today, in verses 3 to 5 of chapter 1, we're simply going to look at what is the nature of this true gospel. Let's remind ourselves of what we have in Christ and verses three to five give us a brief but wonderful explanation of this gospel. We're going to be reminded again of what it is we have in Christ so that we can praise God again for how he has saved us and turned our hell to heaven. So Paul begins this letter with a greeting in verse three, uh, as he so often does. He says, Grace to you and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, This is a common greeting from Paul in in most of his letters that he writes. Grace and peace are sent to the recipients. But the sending of grace and peace are never uh, just empty words. He is sending them the truth about God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul sends grace and peace... And then he explains how we can receive grace and peace. But first it's worth defining what is this this grace and peace that Paul is sending. Well grace, first of all, is the unmerited favour of God. It is a gift given to us that we cannot earn. It refers to God's gift of salvation, which is willed by God the Father and accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not a Christian, brother and sister, because you are anything wonderful in and of yourself. You have not earned God's favour, it is a gift of grace. And then peace is what the gift of grace provides us with. It is a a state of wholeness or or freedom from strife, The, the war against God... That we are fighting against him in our rebellion is over. We have purpose and meaning in Christ now. The fear of death is no more because we know where we're headed. We have peace with God and from God. So the source of our salvation is grace from God our Father. And the nature of our salvation is peace from God our Father both of which are accomplished and given by the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of us need this salvation, don't we? Our sin separates us from God. We need to be rescued. And in God's grace, his gift, he gives us peace with him through Jesus Christ. And so Paul begins his letter by explaining what this gift of grace is and how to receive this peace and that's verses 4 and 5 how God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ do this and there are three parts to this gospel that Paul gives in these verses there is a ransom there is a rescue and there is a reason there is a ransom a rescue and a reason So first of all, notice the ransom. It says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. He gave himself for our sins. That's the ransom. Paul links this next sentence with the work of Jesus Christ specifically. Jesus Christ is the one who gave himself for our sins. First of all, notice, Jesus gave himself. He gave, it's a, a gift, it is unmerited favour, it's grace. He gave himself. Notice, in doing this, therefore, the sacrifice that Jesus made was voluntary. He was willing to die. He gave himself himself. He was not forced to go to the cross. He was not arm-twisted into coming to earth to do this. He gave himself. It was a gift from God the Father that he himself, Jesus Christ, gave. He gave himself. He was not an unwilling victim who had no control over the events of his death. He gave himself for our sins. In speaking of his life, in, in, in John chapter 10 and verse 18... Jesus says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. So the death of Jesus Christ for our sins was a willing sacrifice. He was giving himself out of love for us because he knew that we needed this rescue. So it was, first of all, a gift. He gave himself. But secondly, notice, he gave himself. He didn't give someone else. He gave his own life. He gave himself. And this is really important because of who Jesus is. Now, Jesus is a man, just like us, a human being. But he is also a man unlike any of us, because Jesus never sinned. He was not just a man. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that was proven by his his miracles that he did, his words of authority, and ultimately by his resurrection from the dead. He proved he is God. He, he performed divine works. He received divine worship. He possessed divine attributes. He is called divine names. He is called equal with God. He is identified as God. Jesus Christ is God with us. Yes, he is a man just like us, but he is God totally unlike us. And so the one who gave himself for our sins is the perfect man who is God. He gave himself. And because he is the man who is God, the perfect man, he is able to die in our place for our sins, because he had no sin of his own to pay for, and so he swaps places with us. It is a ransom. Jesus dies the death we deserve. He gave himself, Paul says, for our sins he died in in exchange for us it was a substitution we face God's judgment for our sins we deserve hell but Jesus swapped places with us suffering hell on our behalf as a gift now the reality of this substitution of a perfect person in our place has always been the plan of God. It was pictured in the Old Testament with the sacrificial system. It was prophesied in places like Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 where we read, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That was written hundreds of years before Jesus Christ even arrived. But it shows how when Jesus Christ did arrive, the plan of God prophesied in the Old Testament was that he would die for our sins. So it was pictured in the sacrificial system, it was prophesied in the prophets, and it was proclaimed by Jesus himself. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. Notice the ransom language in Mark 10:45. Jesus says, "For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many." And then Paul writes about this over and over again. So just I'm going to read these uh, bits of verses. But Ephesians 5, 2, God gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, he gave himself as a ransom for all people. Titus 2, chapter 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. If you want those references, come and ask me afterwards, I'll give you them. But the point I'm making is over and over and over again, Paul writes that Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins as this ransom. So serious was the breach between us and God caused by our sins that nothing less than the substitutionary atoning death of God's own son can reconcile us to the Father. In order to save us, God did not give us a to-do list. He did not give us a telling off or a pep talk. He gave himself for our sins. Isn't that amazing? He gave himself for our sins. That's the ransom. But secondly, notice the rescue in verse 4. So after Paul says, who gave himself for our sins, he says, to deliver us from the present evil age. That word deliver is a word that means to rescue. Christianity is a rescue religion. Rescue explains perfectly what God has done in sending Jesus. It's like we are stranded or we are drowning. When I was a a teenager, I went on a holiday with my family uh, to the Dordogne region in France. And we went canoeing on a river. And me and my stepfather were in this canoe. And we hit a rock and our canoe capsized. Uh, He swam out. I was stuck under the seat. I couldn't get out from under the seat, I was trapped, I was underwater, I was in danger, I couldn't do anything about it. But my stepdad, noticing after what I felt was ages, but it wasn't very long really, realised I wasn't popping up and swimming to the side, came back, he ripped the seat from the canoe and threw me up out of the water onto the back of this strange French man who I didn't know, who swam me to the other side. I was rescued, I was trapped, I was drowning in the river, but I was rescued and taken to the other side. And humanity is in that kind of of deadly peril. We are in desperate need of rescue because of our sins, and Jesus Christ is the one who has come to rescue us, to deliver us. And notice what Paul says in these verses we are rescued from or delivered from. He says to deliver us from the present evil age. Now the Bible describes history in in two ages. There is the, the present age of sin and decay. That's where we are right now. And there is the future age of blessing to come. The present evil age, dominated by sin and decay, is on its way to destruction. And we see the effects of the present evil age all around us. We see war and famine and plague and frustration and evil behaviour and so on. Ultimately, in this present evil age, we see death, don't we? We're surrounded with it. This this present age is, is so corrupted... It cannot be redeemed, and one day this present evil age will pass away. And for the unbeliever, if you're not following Jesus Christ this morning, this is the only world for you that there is really. This this age is one that will be destroyed, and you will be destroyed with it, suffering God's wrath for eternity in hell, rather than being rescued from it if you don't turn to Jesus Christ. If you like, this present evil age is the the raging sea or the, the river that we are all drowning in. But the Christian has been rescued from it and has been brought into the age to come. The new age or the new era has arrived. Jesus Christ has brought the age to come, He brought heaven to earth. So notice when Jesus was on earth, the kind of things that he was doing. He was healing the sick. He was controlling the storm. He was giving us a taste of the age to come. And his resurrection from the dead inaugurated this new age. He defeated sin and death. Those things that this evil age contains and he brings a new age that can be enjoyed by all those who put their faith in him now of course we still live in this present evil age but we don't belong to this present evil age we are on our way to that age to come we've been rescued from it and it's a process it's a bit like us being foreigners in a land that just isn't our own we kind of we know where we are But we're not quite comfortable here. And interestingly, the only place where we should feel most at home, if we were in a foreign land, would be the the embassy, wouldn't it? And that's really what the church is. It's an outpost of heaven in the present evil age. And we are most at home, even in this earth, when we are experiencing the tastes of the life to come. The presence of God, the, the peace that passes understanding singing together at church, living that life of purpose that God has given you, those are tastes of the age to come that we receive even in this present evil age. Uh, John Stott says that the, the Christian life is living in this age, the life of the age to come. And there are three ways that we are rescued from this present evil age. First of all, we're delivered from the sentence of condemnation. The sentence of condemnation. So we no longer have to live with the guilt of being part of the reason why this age is evil. That sentence that is hanging over us of God's judgment for our sin is gone. Secondly, we are delivered from its immoral contamination. That is, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. To enable us to live according to God's plan now. We begin to live and look like people from another world. From another age. It's almost like you've come from a time machine. And now you're, 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 you're in a different place and a different time. And everyone looks at you as if you're a little bit different. We're delivered from its immoral contamination. And thirdly, we are delivered from its deadly culmination. It's deadly culmination. That is, one day when this present age is destroyed, we will be with the Lord in the new creation. We won't suffer God's judgment with the old one. Christian, you have been rescued. You have been delivered from this present evil age. You are part of another world. And so, brothers and sisters, remember when this present evil age is getting to you when you feel like a foreigner remember you've been delivered from it you might live in it but you're not part of it in the end but also there's a challenge for us here do you look like you are from another age does your life reflect the age to come which you belong to. Do people notice. That you're a little bit different. I'm not saying we have to be complete weirdos. But people should notice. That we're a bit different. Because we're from another age. We've been rescued. So so far we've seen. The part really of the Lord Jesus Christ. In giving us grace and peace. He. He has given himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. But grace and peace comes from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see our Father in the final part of this, the reason. So we've seen the ransom, we've seen the rescue, and finally we see the reason. Notice at the end of verse 4 and verse 5. According, this is the reason, to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Why did Jesus Christ give himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age? It was because the Father wanted that to happen. Jesus Christ willingly gave himself... But it was the plan of our Father. So John 3.16 is a verse that explains this really well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That the Father wished for this to happen shows The great love he has for us, doesn't it? He gave his only son, his perfect son, to deliver us from the evil age. To deliver us, the ones who made the age, the evil that it is. Brothers and sisters, did you know that you are not part of his family because you had to twist God's arm to let you in? You are part of his family because he loves you so much that he gave his only son to deliver you. God wants you in his family, Christian. You are precious to him. So precious, he gave Jesus to deliver you. The reason for our rescue, the reason for the ransom, is it is the will Of our Father. But notice in verse 5 how the Father's will results in the Father's glory. I mean, this is an incredible thing to consider, isn't it? That, That He gives His perfect Son to deliver us sinners for His own glory. If we cannot save ourselves, which we can't, then all the glory for our salvation goes to God, doesn't it? He saves us for his glory. The achievement of our salvation is glorious, and it results in glory to God. And so our lives, therefore, are to be lived for the glory of the God who rescues us. We praise him with our lips, we glorify him with our lives, because that is why we are saved. He saves us that he would get the glory. And so when someone does notice that you look like you're from another age... We don't say, oh yeah, I am pretty good, aren't I? No. We tell them of what Jesus has done for us, and we give all the glory to God. And brothers and sisters, in the new age, when we finally arrive in glory, that is effectively what we'll be doing forever. We will be giving glory to God. We'll be praising him in perfect song, we'll be serving him in perfect bodies, all of it glorifying him, and we'll be asking one another, how did you get here? And we'll pretty much have the same testimony, he died for my sins. He rescued me. It's going to be wonderful. But we can begin that now, as we give him glory with our lives. Now for some of you, this may be brand new, you may have never thought about this before, I don't know, I don't know really any of you very well, and if this is something that you're thinking, this is amazing, I, I didn't even realise that I was part of this evil age, I didn't realise my need of, of rescue, then, then come and speak to us afterwards, I would, I would love to share you with you more about how Jesus can rescue you, you need to be rescued. But if this is something that this morning you know really well, I'm glad you've been reminded of it. Don't forget how great and glorious this gospel is. We need to hear it, don't we? We need to hear it again and again and again. Because I can know it in my head, but I can function as if it's not real. I can know it in my mind... But not in my heart. So let's pray, brothers and sisters, that this glorious gospel, we would know it in our hearts. So that when we're tempted with another gospel that Paul says is no gospel at all, we would re- recognize it for the absolute rubbish and rot that it really is. And we would see this gospel for the glorious gospel it is. And we would give our lives in service of the God the glorious God who has done this amazing thing. Let us praise God that we have received grace and peace from him and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever Amen.